Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. On today's show, delighted to have Stephanie Woolford and Dorothy Wissenhunt of EV Medicine. And ladies, we're going to talk a little bit about doctors and their patients and continuing education. So um, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I always start the show off by asking guests what are the trends in their industry or area of expertise that they think other CEOs in the middle market need to know. So I'll toss that question over to you to get us started. Sure. So I think the biggest trend that's affecting our industry and probably most industries out there is technology. Uh, It's had an impact on everything that we do from the way we go about creating our content to the methods and formats that we produce it in um, to how we communicate with our customers. We actually used to get uh, edits from our physicians in handwritten edits via fax or by mail. And, you know, now that's all on the computer and now we can communicate with them via social media and through all these different channels. So technology has played a huge impact on literally every different part of our business. That's true from the, I think from the, uh, uh, our interaction and the editorial direction, as well as what we produce for our customers. And as they've become more technology savvy, they expect us to deliver content in the form that they want to get it as well. Mm-hmm. And so do physicians purchase uh, materials directly from you or is it, uh, who, so who exactly is, is your customer? Sure, that's a great question. So all of our content is um, exclusively produced for f- physicians, by physicians, and purchased by physicians. Uh, we do not accept any kind of advertising or commercial support because we've really always wanted to stay focused on providing evidence-based clinical content that isn't um, influenced or biased by any kind of outside uh, industry or influence. So it's subscription-based. And um, how many subscribers do you have? Over 10,000 subscribers. Great, 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 great. We have two primary journals, um, and both of our uh, main journals are Medline Indexed and uh, for emergency physicians, adult emergency medicine practice and pediatric emergency medicine practice. Mm -hmm. And we also provide uh, several ancillary products such as study guides, different packages of of, uh, trauma content and stroke content that physicians are looking for. Mm. And so as you think about, you know, this work of, of getting the best information from physicians, curating it, and then um, putting it back out to them. And you mentioned technology, so I imagine like mobility and and uh, being able to access and interact act, interact with the information and mobile platforms is is uh, as big as well. Is that is that hap- happening in your business? Are you finding that too? They some some say that they do. It's hard to know exactly how much they do. Uh, I think that we uh, it's a challenge to keep up with their changing needs and to. And to listen to them to find out what they want. We, we are trying to deliver their content in, uh, in various formats, such as on the website, in PDFs. They can uh, pull it on or up on a tablet or a smartphone, and we have a mobile app that they can access information as well. I think it's important for us. Our, our content is not so much uh, at the, at the right at hand at the patient's bedside. Some of that, some of it is, but most of it is background information or it's 
something that they can take to their colleagues and determine how they're going to practice or what their protocols in their emergency department are going to be. We, we would like to serve them in all formats, whether they want to listen to it on the treadmill or in their car or whether they need it at the patient bedside. We're doing everything we can to deliver it in every format we can. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of changes in healthcare and in the delivery of medicine um, that are happening out in the world now. Um, I'm wondering how any, how and if any of those macro trends are affecting your business. And if they are, how, how so and if they're not, why you think that your business has been insulated from a lot of the macro trends that are really rocking the rest of the healthcare industry? So our customers are emergency physicians primarily. And I think what they are most focused on and, and what we are as a company is practicing evidence-based medicine and delivering the very best patient care. And while all of that has an impact to some extent on uh, their you know, day-to-day workflow and um, experience, for the most part, our customers are really focused on that interaction with the patient and making the best diagnosis and treatment, uh, providing the best treatment that they can. That's definitely true. There, there are trends in the industry that will say, in the publishing industry, that will say that print is dead. And it's not dead yet. They still, <laughs> they still want it. However, we still need to be, as, as any publisher would, be very clued into what's happening in the rest of the publishing industry that, uh, that may affect what we do, may or may not. We need to make the decision about whether it is or not. And so as, so yeah, so that's another industry that's been completely, where things have been completely disrupted as well. And over the, the course of the of years, how have you seen the migration from print to digital media? So for example, one question might be, you know, when you started, how much of your uh, media, you know, and your distribution was through print and now how much of it is through, through print? Well, it's funny. We started 15 years ago and we, did everything in print. A couple of years later, we transitioned to having mobile or online versions of our products. And then over time, we've added, as Dorothy mentioned, mobile formats. We've done some audio formats as well. So there's definitely been a shift and we're moving more online. But it's really interesting because our a lot of our customers still prefer the print product. We actually just did a test for a new stroke book and it showed six to one. They were willing to pay more to get the print edition. So it's still alive and well for us. Uh, a lot of publishers have gone exclusively digital, but we're really trying to listen to our customers and make sure we continue to produce it in all of the ways that they want to receive and consume the information. Mm-hmm. And so wait, what percentage would you say of, the, of your, your distribution is still print? Is it still mostly print? Almost all of our products still have a print component component that we offer. Mm. Great, 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 great. Uh, and they can get it both ways. They get it, they get it print, and they get it online. So that if they if they can read it on in the in the print version, but if they want to go back and check it, look at a specific section, they can they can always do that. So we do we offer both. Mm-hmm. And. Given all of this change, right? So there's changes happening in healthcare, certainly. There's changes happening in publishing. You're very much at the intersection of both. What are the biggest challenges that that EB Medicine is facing right now? I think keeping up with them is definitely a challenge and um, making sure that you listen to the trends, know what they are, but really focus on uh, paying attention to how it affects your market, how it affects your customers, and knowing which ones are sort of the, the trend of the day versus the one that's going to be around for a while and that you really need to focus on. 
I think being a small business too, we're always challenged by having a lot of really great ideas and a lot of things we want to do, but having to choose the best ones and staying focused so that we can execute on them really well. Mm. That is a, a, a one thing that I think is very interesting. How do you, as, as leaders of your business, tell the difference between something that is just a passing trend, you know, trend of the day or a fad, right? Versus something that is enduring, that is going to materially affect the direction of your industry and therefore the direction of your business. How can you tell? I think you really have to listen to your customers. And we do surveys. We uh, have forms on our website that we get literally hundreds of comments from our customers every week. And we're always trying to pay attention to, you know, what consistently do we hear from them and what, um, you know, what impact is any change that we might make or any, you know, addition or something that we're going to put on our website, how is that going to help them? We try to stay really focused on always making sure anything that we produce is high quality, high impact, and high value. And we actually have criteria we've developed internally so that we can use that to assess any kind of idea or opportunity and make sure that it fits within what we know is going to be valuable and useful for our customers. You know, it's a very interesting thing as you talk about interacting with doctors because they're very, very busy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they're very busy. Um, I can only imagine emergency room, you know, emergency department physicians also being, you know, even more, more stressed out. How do you keep their attention and keep them engaged? Because I think that that's, that's a pretty amazing feat, you know, to have engagement from thousands of physicians, you know, in which you were able to get them to participate and give you content and then also interact with the content. So how do you, how do you engage them and keep them uh, as kind of loyal fans that's a great question. And I had to give the credit for that to our editorial team. Um, Dorothy, who has been instrumental in helping our content go to the next level, and then all of our physician editors play a really big role in choosing our topics, helping us select the best expert authors, uh, having really good peer reviewers. And uh, we just stay very focused on making sure that everything we produce is impactful. We want our readers to walk away from every issue or our listeners to walk away from every podcast or audio program that we do and be able to do something with that information, be able to practice differently. And so we've stayed really focused on that. I think that's how we keep them engaged is by providing really useful, valuable information that impacts their daily practice. That's true. And although physicians are extremely busy, one of the things uh, that rises to the very top of their to-do list is to keep up with cur- with what's new. They have a, a very, very strong desire to practice the absolutely best medicine they possibly can. They always want to do the best for their patients. And so they are uh, extraordinarily open-minded about uh, listening to the latest evidence, hearing what the latest research says, weighing it carefully to determine whether it's really true or whether it makes a difference to them. And so we feel like if if our, the quality of our products is good enough, they will stop and take the time and they will put us at the top of their priority list when they do their continuing education. Because they all have to do continuing education, not just because they have to, but because they do believe in it and they really want to. So our challenge is to make sure that when they come away from reading one of our products, they have really, they have not only learned something interesting, but they have learned something that they can actually do today that will make their practice better. And we get a lot of feedback that that's what they're getting. And so we just keep trying to deliver that through the help of our 
esteemed physician editors, editor-in-chief, editorial boards. They are the, they are the ones who determine what's really, really good. And, and and that is a question, right? And publishing or any of these kind of knowledge services, how do you measure impact? How, how do you know that it's impactful? We ask. Um, we actually have a question after every article that we put out that says, um, what in- changes do you anticipate making in your practice on a result of this activity? And we get feedback every day about how they're going to use it. Um, we've heard that some of our articles have been incorporated into policies that are implemented in the hospital, hospital-wide. Um, they're used in journal clubs and in lectures and teaching residents. And so a lot of it is just feedback that we're getting directly from our customers. Great. And, and our authors and, and editors-in-chief are uh, actual practicing physicians. They are physicians in the emergency department every day, in addition to their academic and administrative duties. And so they see on the front lines every day what what they need to know. And they also work with students, most of them. <clears throat> so they tell us what's important and they make sure that, uh, that the voice is authoritative and that it's practical. It's mm-hmm. great. Well, thank you so much. And I think, um, you know, in the second segment, we always talk about the relationship between the guests. And so Stephanie is a CEO. I asked you, you know, to bring somebody that you thought really made a difference in your business. And you told me that Dorothy was the person that you wanted to bring. So tell me a little bit about how you've worked together and how you're growing EB Medicine and, uh, you know, why it is that you chose to bring Dorothy with you today? Sure. So uh, Dorothy started at EB Medicine about seven years ago, and uh, she started as a managing editor and has worked up to director of editorial and has been just instrumental in our growth and our success. Uh, When she started, we had five people and we now have 16. And uh, she really sat side by side with me through a lot of those decisions and who we wanted to bring on board and what resources we needed to grow um, it's been, I think, an exciting and sometimes challenging ra- ride, but we've always really worked together uh, to figure out how to overcome any challenge or opportunity we needed to look at. We've been had, I think, very good communication in terms of how we resolve uh, resolve any of those challenges and how we talk through things and are able to come up with good solutions and good ideas and and then implement them. Mm-hmm. And. Every CEO that I've had on the show has said that it's their team and the people that they've worked with that has made them successful. And what what is it that you think, and I'll ask this of Dorothy from your perspective on this as well, what do you think is it, it is that separates the teams that are successful from the ones that are not? That is a great question. And we talked about that a little bit the other day. I think you have to have trust. Uh, you have to have respect and uh, you have to believe that people on your team have the best intention and want to want to do the right thing and, um, you know, produce the best product, uh, make make the best decision. And, you know, you really just have to work together and know that you're there to support each other. And if you don't have that, it's going to be a lot more challenging. And that's probably where a team that is not as successful, I think it pro- really comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dorothy? What do you <clears throat> definitely the I think the 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 feeling of trust that that every that you feel like everyone is working to their absolute best and keeping the ultimate goal in mind rather than thinking so much for themselves and i think that's a really important part of aspect of team teamwork is that is that you're working on behalf of the team and not just for yourself you know what you're you know what personally you're responsible for but you're also responsible for 
how your team looks and making everybody else successful. Mm-hmm. So those are big. I mean, those are some big ideas. Trust. That's a really big word. And I think Very. everybody would love to feel like they trust the people that they're working with. But how do you actually get get that to be present? Because I think that's the the disconnect, right? Like everybody knows that you're supposed to have trust on the team, right? But what do you actually do as leaders at your company to foster that kind of trust that will then allow your team to perform? I think you have to talk to each other. Probably I sound like a broken record sometimes because I say that all the time and I'm constantly, you know, in the office saying, well, we need to communicate that to this person on the team or we need to make sure that we share this information with, um, you know, another department. Like, I think it's just always having that open door policy, always making sure that you're letting people know what's going on, um, really making it clear that anyone can come talk to you about anything, that you really will listen and that you will do something with it. I think it does come from the top in terms of you know, the leader has to sort of embody that culture and that experience for the team that they can talk to you and that they're going to be heard and, you know, never punished for anything that they might bring to you that, you know, it's, I always look at it as an opportunity when someone's coming to me to learn from them and, you know, find out how we can improve as a result of whatever it is that, you know, we're talking about. What about you, Dorothy? How do you think that you that you go from the, the concept of trust to the reality of actually having people who trust and want to work with you on a team? It's very important to know that the trust is a matter of when you say you're going to do something, you actually do do it. And so it shows pretty quickly whether a person's word is good. If they say that they're going to do something, if it happens, then, you know, if, if they're going to make this happen no matter what, and they do it, then you can be pretty well assured that the next time this happens, they'll, they will come through again. It's depending on people. It's trusting that you can depend on them, as well as trusting that uh, they understand that the business aspect of it is very important, that this is a business. This is not a, it's not a charity for you personally that you have to work in the best interest of the company and that we all work together. You may not always get your way. If you can make your case, if you have an idea and you, or you have a, a, a strong belief, you can make the case the best that you can and then let it go. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to be able to let things go sometimes. To If you feel like you have, you have researched something, you have a strong point to make, and I go to say, I go to Stephanie and I say, I, I really think we should do this because of this and this and this and this. And I, I know that I will hear, I will be heard, that I will be, uh, it'll be considered. And I may not always get what I, <laughs> I may not always win, but that I'm heard. And I think that's, that's very, very important for employees to know that, that, you're appreciated, that you're thought, that you're heard, and that you're considered. And maybe not this time, maybe next time, or maybe that's a fantastic idea. This is something we really need to do. Or maybe next year, maybe fourth quarter. (laughs) I think I listen nine times out of ten. (laughs) Or implement nine times out of ten. (laughs) Depends on the idea. (laughs) Not every idea is a great idea. Right, right. And then you talked about this concept of... um, Reliability, you know, that's one of that's kind of a key underlying foundation for trust is, you know, you say you're going to do something and, and it actually happens. 
How do you deal with errors, mistakes, and, you know, when people just can't deliver or don't deliver? You know, I'm not really afraid of people making mistakes because they happen. We're all human. I make them and uh, everyone's going to. What I've always tried to advocate for is, you know, when it when a mistake occurs, let's figure out what caused it and how we can prevent that from happening again. Uh, you know, like one of the things that Dorothy and I have always done, if we did find some kind of error after publication, which happens very rarely, I'm proud to say. Uh, <laughs> but when it does, you know, we always look at, OK, is, can we improve this process to make sure that this kind of error doesn't slip through again? And, you know, we immediately acknowledge it. We talk about it and we resolve it and then we move on. I think that's the only way you can handle a mistake or something like that. Mm. This, this is definitely the case, which is why our editorial process is 30 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> we always joke that every, uh, every uh, uh, item that's on there is be there because that mistake has been made sometime in the past, whether it's going through the checklist before publication or, or, uh, it's it's important to and I and I have always felt Lord knows I've made plenty of mistakes. I have never felt that there's been a mistake that if I went in that I was just doomed and that <laughs> I would just have to go away. And Stephanie has always been very clear that okay, what are we gonna do? And then how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? And mm -hmm. that's all you can do. So if you have a mistake, you better have already thought of those things to offer before you fess up to the mistake. It's like, <laughs> okay, this is what, this is what happened. This is what, this is how it happened. This is why it happened. And this is what I think we can do so that it doesn't happen again. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often. Great. Great. Sometimes it's just a matter of process improvement. It's not necessarily a mistake. It's just that you find that this took us too long to do. This was too expensive. This was too much effort. This was, not as successful as it could have been. This is how we could improve. It's a, it's a process of constant improvement as well. Mm -hmm. And do you have a, like a, a set process for how you evaluate and let's say, you know, go through this 30 page editorial um, <clears throat> protocol and improve it? Do, do you have that on a regular schedule? We have a very sort of, I think, automatic process for doing that where, I mean, we're looking at a daily basis, how we can improve. I mean, I'm obviously as an education and training company, I'm a big advocate for education and ongoing uh, learning and growth and improvement. And so, you know, again, we take every opportunity that we can as a team to talk about how we can do things better. Um, you know, I, I really like to do lessons learned after a project. So we sit down with the project team and we say, you know, what went right? what went wrong and what can we improve? And we really talk through that so that we can make sure that we continue to do the things that worked really well and that we do the things, you know, that maybe didn't a little bit better the next time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is a, and that process is not just in passing. That is a, a very important part of every major decision that we have done is, and Stephanie leads that by example in being the one who has 20 points on a 20 bullet points <laughs> and waiting for yours. It's, it's extremely important to make sure that everybody can look at what happened, can look at a project, can, can sort of go after, after you've, after you've done a big project and after something has happened or there've been things that have been going on that you can say, 
how did that go? Can we, is when we do this again, are there things that we could do better? Mm -hmm. And that's a, it's an extremely important part of what we do. I think it's a, it's, I think it's a very big part of the uh, formula for success is, and replicating successes. Great. And so as you look out to the the future for EB Medicine, what are you, what are you anticipating in the future for the rest of the year and, you know, into 2017? I'm really excited that you asked that question. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, we had five people just a couple of years ago, and now we have 16 really smart, hardworking, and talented individuals. And it's just enabling us to respond to our customers' needs so much faster than, we, than we've than we been able to before. So we've got two big initiatives coming out this year. Um, we are getting ready to produce a digest version of our publication, and uh, that's going to be t- tentatively titled Evidence-Based Clinical Pearls. Uh, that's a response to our customers asking for, you know, smaller, more bite-sized content. So typically our articles can be 20 to 28 pages, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a nice short one-pager that they can, you know, read on the go, get the highlights from the article, still get very useful, impactful information, um, but be able to do it in a, in a very time, quick way. Um, so that's one of the things that we're coming out with in just a couple of months that we're really excited about. And the other? Uh, well, the other is a new product is actually in partnership with our one of our customers, Emergency Service Partners, and it's called ED Clear, which is for emergency department clinical learning to eliminate avoidable risk. A little bit of a mouthful, hence the acronym. Uh, But we are very um, proud and excited about that product. So we've worked with uh, Dr. Badola to create some very, what we believe to be high impact modules. It's a um, combination of our article content and also video content that Mm. uh, he's put together. And he's done a really great job on producing this resource. Uh, It's focused on risk management in the emergency department, and we're very excited about it. Great. Very. Uh, That's, that is uh, hot off the presses today too. mm -hmm. All right. Well, congratulations. We're doing some excellent new content and, and these new initiatives enable us to think of new ways that we can add a little bit more from the editorial side. Can we do this? Can we add this? It's exciting. It really is. Yeah, I mean, and it's great that the responsiveness to, to customer requests is really, you know, really, um, really, really wonderful. But on that, so as you think about growing the growing the company and think about what's next, have you kind of saturated or you feel like you've saturated the emergency department market? Are you looking at growing inside of that and, and growing your subscription base or are you thinking about moving into other specialties? We definitely think there's... Additional opportunity within the emergency medicine space, and one of the things that we're looking at is continuing to enhance our um, relationship with and programs with residents and residency directors, and uh, providing good educational resources for you know the next generation of physicians. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity internationally as well. We're currently translated mm-hmm. into Italian, and we're, we're looking at Spanish editions and Chinese as well. So there's a big opportunity there. And also, similarly to here, working with the associations and organizations um, in the residency programs internationally. Um, you know, we are, have also considered uh, within the emergency medicine space uh, doing resources for nurses and doing con- um continuing education for nurses. So there's definitely opportunity within uh, the emergency medicine specialty. And it's it's where we know and love. We love working with emergency physicians. They're just really great people. And 
we want to continue working, you know, with, within that space and doing doing as much as we can. Certainly, we would look at it expanding into other specialties as well, you know, over time and as it made sense to do to, so and that we thought we could add value in those areas. We would we would look into that. So you, the company, it sounds like you've gone from what you said, five people to 16 people, which is like over a three 3x growth, which is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, you're looking at international expansion and, you know, doing some of these you know, new initiatives and things like that. What advice would you give to other business owners, especially people who are in publishing, you know, who are thinking about, because publishing is a pretty tough business these days, who want to do some of the things that you've done? You know, I think there's so much opportunity to partner with others, to listen to others and to to learn from other people in your industry and outside of your industry, you know, um, one of the things that has played a huge role in my success is being a member of uh, an organization called the Specialized Information Publishers Association. And they're just incredibly unique in the ability and willingness to share information and ideas. And, you know, from the annual conferences to the listserv, you're able to ask questions and, and get immediate answers that can impact your business. So I think, Having those relationships and, um, you know, forming really friendships from the people that you meet within your industry and being willing to listen and learn, um, you know, I think that's been probably one of the most impactful things uh, on my career. And what about you, Dorothy? What do you what do you attribute the success of, of EB Medicine to? The uh, quality content. And as speaking from the editorial side and we provide high quality content and as long as we do that we will be we will always fill that niche for them and our responsibility is to make sure that that it is the best source the best resourced the most reliable information because the doctors don't have time for anything that's that's not as excellent as it possibly can be which is one of the the feelings that I've had working at EB Medicine these years is that I know that quality always rises above everything. That's one of the reasons why I'm still there is I know that there, nothing less is will do. Mm-hmm. And as long as we provide that content, we will be able to we will be able to uh, meet the needs of the physicians. And and talking about the specialty information publishers. They, they provide a way for the, the publishing industry. From what I can, from what I have seen, is is amazingly uh, willing to share information. They don't seem to hold on to, even though you would think that they would want to for a competitive edge. They really do. They really do share their experiences. They share their failures. They share their successes. They share their secrets, and they. Uh, because the publishing industry is in such an enormous upheaval in these days that uh, they've been very critical, certainly for my learning about the publishing industry. And I know that they've been very instrumental in Stephanie's career for all of Stephanie's life in working in this business. Mm. Great. So, you know, thank you very much. I'm wondering if there's anything else new that's happening um, with, EB Medicine that you think listeners would be interested in finding out more about? 
Well, we're always announcing new resources and products and services on our website. So if uh, listeners are interested, they can always visit ebmedicine.net and our contact information is on there. Uh, We have lots of new and exciting things coming down the road. Great. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show. Thank Thank you. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.